and your Amsasia podcast. Yo, pick your red up because things ain't that bad. Maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at. Believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch. So never waste another day because life moves so fast. And a dream without pursuing, yo, they never last. Another shadow of regret I try to never cast. And always tell a truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm this week's host, Rick Stockfish. And today we've got a really exciting interview with Race Base. They are the race directors and organizers behind uh, a really exciting and varied group of events in Hong Kong, including Nine Dragons, Country of Origin, and some more, which you'll hear about in the show. Uh, It's Michael Ormiston, Nick Tinworth, and Steve Carr, the guys behind Race Base, and they've got lots of exciting stories to share. Uh, It was a bit of an experimental podcast. It's my first one hosting. It's the first group podcast we've done, and it's our first one in a noisy cafe. So just bear with the noise as we go along. Uh, but lots of exciting stories to share. They're really well known and, and really well loved in the Hong Kong Trail community. So uh, enjoy the show. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Gents, welcome to the Endurance Asia podcast. Um, I'm here with Nick, Steve, and Michael from Race Base. Uh, perhaps, guys, if you could just introduce yourselves a bit and um, tell us how you met, how you came together. Okay, so um, my name's Steve Carr. Um, originally from the Isle of Man, moved to Hong Kong a couple of years ago. Um, started with. Well, yeah, so I'm Michael Lumberson, I'm 48, um, father of two daughters. I'm originally um, from Australia and moved to Hong Kong in '99, so. Been here for around 20 years. Um, just moved back after a, a stint in Chamonix for three years. As you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's, that's a brief, brief uh, summary of me. I'm Nick Tinworth. Uh, I've lived in Hong Kong for accumulatively for over 35 years. Uh, so I spent most of my childhood here in my schooling before going back to the UK and the US. Came back to Hong Kong 10 years ago, and that's when I really started trail running and picking up the uh, the running bug as they say and how did you find one another amidst all the other runners and other activities you could have been doing in Hong Kong uh, so, so we started I guess it's kind of my fault <laughs> definitely your fault <laughs> and there um, was there was I believe alcohol involved probably um, so originally I, I wasn't a runner I wasn't um, a trail runner to start with like um, just ended up falling into it a little bit. Um, I was asked to run a race called Hardest Nails, and I presumed when they said run, it meant <laughs> join in. <laughs> and not actually kind of organize it. Um, and then through there, started planning it and was introduced to Michael by someone who's a mutual friend now. Um, so, and we ended up organising the first edition. Um, like so Heart, Heart of Nails is a, is a charity event. And, yeah, I mean, both Steve and I, I think, fell into, um, into a situation where we were presented with maybe we could help with something, and we found both of us having to organise the whole thing. That, that, that's how it came about. And this, when, when is this? When are we talking about? 2015. Okay. 
And what's the, what's the Heart as Nails concept for people who haven't come across it before? Well, it's, it's a charity race that was uh, designed in memory of a guy called Andy Naylor, um, who was a long-time uh, Hong Kong runner, inspired a lot of people, and he passed away during the uh, Ironman New York in 2014, I believe it was. So the, the idea was to, to have a race that was, was you know, dedicated to him on the trails and, and roads that he used to run. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was what the race race was about. And it was um, a tough race. And, and it was also a it's real a sort course. of family and community race. So Steve and I pro- probably, you know, went back and forth, I would say, a thousand WhatsApp messages trying to get this thing together because we were both working at the time. And oh, we both had no idea what we were and, doing. Uh, yeah, we had no idea we what had we had no doing. idea. I mean, I, I, I ran a lot, so I had that running experience, but certainly not race organising. So we just tried to put together a great event. You know, the idea was to put together a great event that people would enjoy. And um, at the end of the race, it was a success. Um, we, we had a call the next day, and we were like, wow. I'm knackered. Yeah, but... we, we're just exhausted. <laughs> but we made so many people happy. And, you know, being able to organise something and put so much time and effort into it and then t- to watch people cross the line. Steve was giving everyone hugs. He's sort of well known for that now. Um, I think he probably didn't get any before that. So he's, you know, compensating now. But, you know, <laughs> the, the, but, but we, we really said that was just so... The f- at the end of it, we were just so happy with what we'd done and 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 um and we started talking about yeah let's do something again maybe we should do another one and i think it was before the heart as nails there was a race called country of origin yeah well, and, which was next yeah and i i ran that and i and steve said do you know nick because he organized something at this race and i did the race and i thought that was such a great concept i was saying hey well if we've got a guy that can come up with that concept and we love organising it, and why don't we have yeah. a talk? And, and I think I was introduced to Nick before that because I, I needed someone to design a medal and I needed someone to do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick's cheap. <laughs> he, did the design, he did the design work for, the, for like names, the logo actually. and all that type yeah. of stuff. And, 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 and we had like, never actually met. No, we hadn't. I mean, we'd, we'd sort of ex- exchanged sort of back and forth on, on Facebook, on some of the running groups... And we never met, actually. I think we'd met very briefly at the High West thing, the High West social run that I did. Yeah, and also a, Joint Dynamics, where I got really drunk and came over and went, "Hi, I'm Steve Carr. Thank right, you for doing the medal." That's right. Yeah, but then yeah, then Steve got in touch and said, "Oh, we've got this race coming up. Can you can you do a logo in the medal?" And I thought that sounds like a really interesting race. And I remember him. I remember it was a it, it was a grueling, tough race, but it was so immaculately organized like it was it ran so smoothly everything was great you know it was the marking was great the st- there was a great vibe um, i think steve mentioned previously the community feel around it was was incredible yeah and, and we're leading up to the race what what we wanted to do as i mentioned was to for the runners to have a great experience and we said this is not an you know an a to b or an a to a race we want a race where um where, where people had memories from that race. So part of it was a kid's race. And I remember saying to Steve, you know, there, there are snakes around in this area. Why don't we have 
like pre-race, <coughs> tell everyone to be careful of the snakes. That's all we did in, in the pre-race. And we had someone at the top of the hill of the kids' climb handing out lots of snake lollies, as an example. But then we were also the first one to have freshly fresh coffee. Um, From so, Scotty, so, whose coffee we're in. Yeah, so just, just for people listening, we're, actually, we're sat in the, um, the Lily Street branch of, of Fine Print Coffee, which is owned by, I guess, a friend of yours. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know. We just stumbled across Scotty. Yeah, barista. I don't remember how we had that contact, but they ended up having a, a full coffee machine, barista, um, serving coffees to everyone. And that, that, yeah, that, that exists today in all our races now. And we, we, you know, we, I might be leading into one of your questions, but you know, one of the things that we try to do with all our races is make an experience, have an experience, not just a racing experience, but, you know, whether it be through a race pack collection or, um, you know, along the course, checkpoints, um, and, we can, you know, tell you a bit more about those sort of things that we do. But, you know, through to race concept, we don't want to do a race where you just start a race and finish a race and go home because that's, you know, there's thousands of them. Um, we want a race where it, it creates a memory. Okay, so we just just rewind a second. So Nick, you'd already been organising Country of Origin prior to that, or prior to meeting these. Kinda, that's a kinda. Unofficially, <laughs> unofficially, yes, because because the, because it was more of a social thing at that point. We hadn't, you know, it wasn't like a. It was around the time where things were starting to get a little hectic with the AFCD and getting permits and everything. So we said, oh look, let's just make this a social thing, and you know, and I. Originally started it with a guy called Nick Borman, who people might know as the race director for um, Ultra Trail uh, Cape Town now. Um, so he's gone on to, to bigger and better things. But it was really just a, let's set up an event on Facebook and see if anyone shows up. And, um, and what, what was the concept? I think his concept was, so, you know, as all, as all great ideas start, it was on a napkin in a bar after a night of drinking. And Nick sort of said, you know, country of origin they've got it in rugby they've got it in tennis where you you team up as a national team and and you know it's all about teams going head to head against each other he's like why not trail running and i said that's a bloody brilliant idea no one else is doing it hong kong seems to be there seems to be a, a gravitation towards team running in hong kong i think particularly because of uh, moxon trail walker right people people like the concept it's um it, it's a little different because there aren't that many team races in hong kong and so he said, let's, let's just, just do something social and see what happens. And 180 people happened, which was kind of blew us away, right? I remember texting Nick because he was coming over on the ferry in the morning. I was like, is there anyone on there? And he said, mate, we're going to need more water. <laughs> <laughs> because it wasn't an official race, we didn't have bibs, we didn't charge any money. Oh, no, you did. You collected $30 from everyone on the ferry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Just to... Just, uh, I think you're remembering that wrong. <laughs> but that was for the water that we didn't set up at Pat Kung Ao. Because <laughs> it was actually quite a warm day, so we wanted to, to have something for... We, we were quite clear up front, this is a self-supported run. There are no checkpoints. You, you turn up, you run, you run together as a team. You start together, run together, finish together. That was the concept. You have to stay together. Um, but yeah, it was... It was just so let's let's do it and see what happens. And so that's that's now part of your portfolio. Yeah, that's not too yeah. We're, we're next year will be our fifth year, fifth, fifth year next for year. Country of Origin, and it's turned it's turned into. I mean, I remember the first year, a couple of people wore country colours. 
Um, now it's every I team. Mean, you know, and then all, yeah, now every team wears the colours. But then you, you well, go Hong to Kong, the Hong Kong lights dressing up. Yeah, I mean, it's almost that. like the rugby sevens of trail running. You know, some of the outfits that you see, um, and it is a serious race. But I think it was. I don't remember if it was last year, the year before, we had two starts, so an elite start and then a regular start. And I would say 70% are in the regular start. You know, you only get about 30% who choose to be in, in the elite. So um, it's so kind of like the season closer in a sense. You know, it's right towards the back end. It's getting a little bit warm. It's getting a bit humid. It's a tough little course. And, and people kind of want to do it with their mates yeah. and kind of go, okay, what, what stupid outfit will we wear this time? <laughs> So it's serious and fun. Serious and fun, yeah. Because you, you don't want it, you don't want it, like, there's always the elite teams, you know, you've, we've had Australia, we've had Canada, we've had Hong Kong, who take it very seriously. But there's that other side, which is the fun kind of, you know, they know there's going to be cold beer waiting and... Yeah, and we, yeah, we always have Guaylo beer, so Guaylo, we, we, yeah. I think hard as nails we might have had... Um, had Blue Girl, but we've we've oh, sort of stepped up from there. I don't think I would it, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't Blue Girl, but I think it was Asahi, which is yeah. It was a now high we're into the craft. The craft. <laughs> craft every every race of, of race space, you'll get you'll get cold beer at the end. That's just. That's what we that goes back to what what the guys were saying previously about experiences, right? We we've, we've all had. I mean, when I came back to Hong Kong, there there weren't that many. There was you know, King of the Hills and some of the Action Asia stuff. And there were a lot of other races where it was just people would show up, run, and leave. And the King of the Hills, I mean, what Keith's done a great job cultivating a community around a shared passion and interest for running, right? It's people show up, they run, but then they stay and they wait afterwards and they kind of hang out and socialize and he always has beer there and some food. and. And it's that kind of experience, not just, don't just come for the run, stay for what happens afterwards, stay for the, stay for the storytelling and the, you know, the war stories. And so, you know, what we started to realize was, what if we, you know, offered them incentive to stay behind afterwards, right? So this idea of, you know, coffee before the race, beer after the race, food, you know, it just kind of made sense to us because those were the races that we were enjoying at the time. And that's, so we sort of had these benchmarks in terms of what we were aspired to do with, with race base. And I, think, I think one of the things is that we've all got our day jobs that we all kind of like. We all kind of, you know, kind of like. And it, and it, and it, it was never, we, we never sat down and went, let's make money. That, that wasn't our goalpost. Our goalpost was always to kind of do races that we would want to run. Um, and it's something that we've always kind of aligned we were all on the same page with well with that anyway I think yeah Yeah. so, so often we'll say alright next year we won't do this we won't do this and it comes and we're like no we've got to do that, that, that do that's, that's going <laughs> to give a great race experience we've got, we've got to do this um, so you know as, as an example um, you know we have hamburgers at the end of Nine Dragons and everyone that comes can, can go and come and have hamburgers and you know we don't we don't charge for that. It's part of part of part of the race, free beer for all the runners. Um, you know, we we want that experience. And do you think? I mean, the three of you working together on this is that make it easier to organise these things? No. Is it? Well, we we, we have <laughs> no. We, we have different skill sets and different jobs. Um, so, you know, and we've we've in we've had people come and go as as partners for different reasons, um, and. 
you know, e- each of the people that have come in has has been different, and 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 that's why we've we've wanted them to to, to work with them because they they bring something to the table. It's not. You know, if there was someone who had you know similar skills, then we probably wouldn't look at it because we don't need that. So, so it's about bringing a different dynamic and different skill set um, into to complement what we already I th- do. I think there's a there's a really good balance between the three of us. You know, I, I get very very excited. Whereas and Nick's when kind of stuck. Well, when it comes st- to races, when it comes to races and Steve, people, if Steve had his way, we'd probably have around fifty races under our belt that we'd be organising. Um, but we wouldn't have any money <laughs> to put on those races. And so I, I, I kind of fanboy a lot. Um, we're, Nick's kind of stuck in the middle a little bit, and Michael's kind of the one going, "No, <laughs> we're not going to pay for that." And it, it's a good balance because, like for me, it's like hardest nails wouldn't have happened without Michael or Nick. You know, Nick did a lot of the design work. Michael did all the finance kind of stuff and helped me kind of regulate what we were trying to do. Same with Nine Dragons. Like Nine Dragons, if, if it was me by myself, I would probably have a similar deficit in my bank as a small African country. Because I would have spent every penny and more than what I had. But So there's a nice balance between all of us. And, you know, there's a lot of times that we disagree and disagree heavily. But... Like really heavily, phrased. like we like, we'll not WhatsApp each other for a few days, um, but it's, then, it's but then it kind of comes. It's healthy because we kind of start to see, okay, actually, that person's got a point of view. Yeah. Like I've had arguments with these two guys that if I had it with my wife, I'd be divorced. <laughs> Interesting. So you mentioned Nine Dragons. That's maybe. I mean. Do you say that's the race you're now best known for outside of Hong Kong, possibly? So yeah, I mean, the country of origin is a local race. Yeah. Um, you know, a few people fly in from Japan and Singapore and whatnot, but, you know, Nine Dragons can be up there on the Ultra World Tour. It could be in terms of its standard, in terms of, you know, the runners that are coming along. So, it, yeah, definitely. So, so for people that haven't, haven't heard about it, can you just, just briefly summarise the concept? It's the first multi-stage race. How would you describe it? So basically, the idea was was that um, we wanted. I kind of wanted to do something different in Hong Kong. Everything was like 100 k's and 50 k's and 50 miles, and 100 miles. That was it. There was no kind of differentiator in that terms of things. So the idea is is it's uh, you have a 50-50 race, which is kind of the the premier out of all the events that are going on. So you do 50 miles to start with, so it's about 89.4 miles. So it's within 10% of 50 miles. And then it's, it's got about 4,500 meters of 89. elevation. Sorry? 89 k's. Yeah, 89 k. Yeah. And then the 50 k starts the second day, and it's 54 k with 3,700-ish meters. So they're both individually, they're both super tough races. And the idea was to have a race that, not, it, it's within the realms of finishing. It's just you have to train specifically for it. With tight cutoffs as well. It's got tight cutoffs. It's, it, you know, like, like the 50 miles to me is, is almost the perfect Hong Kong racing course. Like it's got bits of everything. It, it, it's, there's very little that I look at that. The 50K is kind of your... It highlights Hong Kong very clearly because the last section you can see over the, the city, it's got a lot of peaks that people kind of recognize from like Hong Kong 100 or TNF. 
But I think and the 50 mile also is a midnight start, which yeah. makes it yeah. you know, somewhat unique and gives runners the experience. To, to you know, A lot of European races have midnight start. Yeah. Not a lot of Asian uh, events do. So this is a midnight start yeah. on the Friday, runs into the Saturday, and, and those doing the 50-50 then sleep and get up and then run again on the Sunday. Sunday. And, it, and it was always kind of one of those ones where we wanted to make it not impossible, but... You know, you know I, I, I'm a teacher by day. And, and one of the things that, you know, when you think about, when I think about teaching kids, it's all about the idea of you make things just a little bit too hard. Not impossible, just a little bit too hard. So they always improve, they always step up. And Nine Dragons is kind of the, the teaching equivalent of that. It's, it's, it's not impossible. It's, it's hard, but, but then you value it when you finish it. You know, um, there are lots of races that are very easy to finish. Whether the cutoffs are really long or the course is kind of easy-ish. And it, whereas Nine Dragons, it's, it's all, the, all the things that runners hate. It's got lots of elevation. It's got tight cutoffs. You, some, of the, some of the sections, like there's one section which is 22K. You don't really hear of that in Asia. In Europe, though, or in the US, there are lots of races like that. And, and so we, we just wanted to do something a little bit... Um, and neither of the courses run parallel. Like the, I think there's only like 18k that both of them link. Um, we, we were talking just before you came on. And you were saying that that some people find the 50k or arguably harder or more of a challenge because it's not not what they're expecting. Yeah, because it, it's not runnable. It's that there's no apart from a, a section. I think there's three sections that are runnable. And you're talking maybe 2K each section. So that's 6K that is runnable. And the rest is you are up against it. Um, and I think, you know, I think, I think there's a standard in Hong Kong where people go, well, 50K is 50K, which is 50K. So, so what, which what's is not the, the winning time 50K? What's like six hours. It's, it's yeah. slow. It's really slow. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can talk us through a bit of the history of the last couple of years. So you've, this is what, this will be fourth edition? Fourth edition. So um, first edition... Uh, we had we invite we had we had four runners that came over. So we had um, Yoshikazu Hara from Japan, who had done really well at UTMF a few times. I think he won it once or twice. Um, highly regarded there, Kazafumi, who I think is one of our favourite people. Uh, so he came over to just do the 50 miles. Um, we had Casey Morgan from um, based in Scotland, um, who came over and did the 50-50. Really, really strong runner. And then we had an uh, uh, Australian girl called Lucy Barthomlenew, who I think probably most people know now. So in the first edition, they came over, and it, it, was, it was kind of interesting, because it was the first edition, we, we didn't... I'd been told by lots of different people how hard it was to do one ultra, but to do back-to-back ultras with different checkpoints was hard. Um, and it was, it was a long weekend for the three of us. Um, had you run the course, any of you, beforehand? I, I had done all the sections. I think Nick had known most. You'd by, done by this stage. I was I was living. I was not living in Hong Kong, so no. yeah, I hadn't. No. But yeah, we, no. That's that's part of the. You know, a lot of the trails in Hong Kong are, are so accessible, right? So we we'd run a lot of them before, and so Steve's initial thing was like, when he came to us, he's like, "How do we link these bits together, right?" Um, and he started talking about doing this sort of back-to-back, and I was like, let's try and craft a narrative and a story around it, right? So 
we did some searching and we found out the legend of the Nine Dragons and how, you know, Kowloon Range got its peak and everything. And, and it just kind of, yeah, it all kind of flowed so on from I, there. I actually remember sitting outside the other fine print in Peel Street with Nick on like a Saturday morning and I brought to him like six or seven massive maps where I'd highlighted the route. So we had these maps in the middle of Peel Street, drinking coffee, and I remember Scotty coming out going, what, what's this? And, he, and I just went, it's, it's a tiny little race that we're thinking of doing. And Nick just looking at me going, what the F are you thinking about? Because it, it was just the scale of it is just... I, I, I think a 100-mile a, a, a race would be... After, after doing Nine Dragons for so many years, a 100-mile race would be easier to organise. Because it's one checkpoint every 15, 16K, maybe. Yeah, one start, one finish. One start, one finish. <laughs> but because we, you've got multiple races going on and all this type of stuff, it, you know, like, I've had other race directors who do other events come to me and go, why would you do that? And, and it's stupid. And the thing is, is I remember Nick saying... No, this is just stupid. And I remember Michael going, yeah, maybe it'll work, but it'd be really hard work and, you know, this and this. So basically, <clears> we, we, the three of us stay up all Friday night. <laughs> We're so happy the next day. So the whole... <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so same as the runners. We, you know, we, we sort of stay up and go through the course and, and then uh, get so up it, really early the next morning. Yeah. So that was year one. Then year two, we had um, Kelly Emerson... Ben no, Duffers. Your, your years are blurring. My, my years your, your are blurring. Your years are blurring. So it's, yeah. But, but over the years, you've had, over the years, over the we, years, we've had some started. really like last year. I I think for me, it was a bit of a fanboy year because I remember talking to Julian Chorier like three years ago, saying we we hadn't even ran the first edition, and me saying to him, "Can you come and do my race?" And him going, "I'll think about it." And then I remember emailing like Magda about the same time saying, look, Lucy's coming. Would you like to come and do the race? Um, I should mention at this time that Hocker are our, our main sponsors for the race. Yeah. So, so, so we, we, who have been great. No, they, they've been a great yeah. sponsor. And they've helped us bring over or at least you know, support some of their athletes, um, encourage them to come, um, which is also like, for us. Yeah. yeah. And how the, the, the elites that have come in, how have they found the course? Have they stacked up against locals like well, John and Marie I mean, and people like that? So somewhat, the US, so Magda, for example, just the stairs for her were, yeah. were just nuts. Um, you know, whereas Julian had raced here before. Um, again, Lucy as well, I know the stairs for her were, were really yeah. tough. So it's like the, a case, the stairs case that challenge here. people. Um, so and, like, and then you have someone like Kazafumi, who's, who's a really, really good runner. He came three years in a row. So, you know, he started off with the 50 mile, won that, and then he came back and... Um, did the 50-50 against John and came second. And I remember him saying to me at the end of that, I'm coming back because I want to win. And then he came back and, and from a what, like four-minute deficit on day one, ended up winning by seven minutes. So it was kind of... And I think for a lot of people who do the race, especially those who DNF, they want to come back because they don't want that... It, it sticks in their mind. It's like, I need to come and finish this race. Gets under their skin. Gets under, yeah. gets so, under their skin. Exactly. So, yeah. so talking about DNF, um, and Steve will know the stats bet, better, than, better than me, but it, there's a high DNF rate, really high DNF rate. And, um, and again, with things about environment, we try to do all the things right environmentally, um, you know, with checkpoints and, and, and with merchandise and so on. So, so last year we decided not to give medals out to everyone because not everyone wants medals. They throw them away, so we didn't want to go through that way. So 
we said, okay, well, you purchase your medal upon registration. And then someone wrote to us and said, what happens if I don't finish? So we were sort of looking at each other going, well, you don't really want a medal if you don't finish, do you? And then we thought, do you know what? They actually do. Yeah. So what, what we did was we made DNF medals. And we ran out. So, and we ran out. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like the race is like, I think it's, it's like, I think year one it was 60% DNF. Right. And then even now it's, it's still hovering around, for, for both the 50 mile and the 50k, it's hovering around the 50% mark. But yeah, I, I, like Michael and I have talked about it, and I think Nick and we've all talked about it, the idea is like every year, most of the people who DNF the year before come back. Yeah. Because they, and like there was a guy this year who he, he came up to me and said, oh, I want my DNF medal, but I want you to give it to me. And it was really late in the night. And um, so I went and got it and gave it back to him. And he said, I'm going to send you a photo of this in three months because I'm going to sign, I'm going to be the first person who signs up next year because I don't want this medal. And, and I, I was like, actually, that's, that's like, like I think about the, you know, I've DNF'd my, a few races. Most. And my, but to every be- single race, I, I keep going, actually, I need to go back and do that. Because there's this personal kind of vendetta. It's, it's not even about the race, like, it's about the race director. Yeah, but, I mean... Y- that's true when there's a good race and, yeah. and you know if the race has not run well you, you don't want to go back for whatever reason and the thing that surprises me each year is that people who do DNF you sort of you know you don't know everyone you walk up how'd you go and they say I didn't finish and you were like oh I'm sorry I hope you had a good time everyone says that they had a great time yeah. they want to come I mean everyone says that that, that doesn't finish so, so you, you, set, you set this brutal course and well, then make not. it up to them with coffee and what we do is we lure them into this false sense of security and then go, oh, by the way, here's a hill. But, but you know, in terms of, in terms of the cut-offs and, and that being one of the tough elements, we didn't, we didn't make the cut-offs so that people couldn't finish. We made them because we have to take into consideration going into second nights for people doing a multi-day, the, the volunteers. There's all the elements involved. So we've pushed them out as far as we can we, we, as far as we can, we've pushed them out. And how are you, just to get technical for a minute, how are you, how are you figuring out what those cut-off times should be Sorry. then? Is that... Steve. Sorry. <laughs> Steve's the mastermind behind all that. So the cut-offs are based on 5K an hour, okay. which was my average speed when I finished Hong Kong 100, roughly. So the whole purpose of them was to Does that go, mean if you can beat Steve in Hong Kong 100, you can finish the Nine Dragons? No. Um, <laughs> so the idea was was that I kind of sat down and went, what is a realistic target for most ultra runners? You know, we've never turned around about this race and gone, do you know what? You could, anyone can finish it. We've said, this is a hard race. It needs to be, you need to train specific for it. You need to know the course. You need to get out there and do it. We've never once kind of gone, oh, it's easy, you'll finish. Or you guaranteed these ultra points or made it out like that. What we've gone is gone, yeah, this is hard. If you want to finish it, train for it. You know, that's why we do the number, I think last year we did, I think I did eight or nine reckeys. So every year we do reckeys of it. This year I think we've got 19 planned for the course. Because it, the thing is, is we want people to finish it because that, it's that feeling of finishing something that is that difficult. You know, you look at Hard Rock and Western States, they're really tough races. 
but they've got really high finishing rates because people are desperate to finish it. And what we want to generate is that. We don't want people to just rock up and go, oh, it's, oh, it's only nine dragons. It's, it's the points are in the bag. Honestly, when Steve sort of first, first mentioned to me the idea he had for the cutoffs and, and, and the times, I was like, that's mental. No one's going to finish. Like, it's a, it's a tough race. But the, the more I thought about it and the more he explained, and he, that's the most, actually, the first, uh, when you first started talking about it, that's the most eloquently I've ever heard you um, explain it insofar as the analogy you made to teaching and sort of making it just that little bit harder. We wanted people to train for it and to feel like it was a challenge, right? So that when they did finish, it was a serious accomplishment because, like, just kind of to reiterate what the guys were saying, a lot of the races here have such long cutoffs that you could basically power hike your way through it. And we wanted people to take it seriously. And we, we also um, introduced a couple of years ago teams as well because for people who were thinking, I think it's too hard, you know, if they have a team member to do that with, um, ho we're hoping that that encourages more people to want to want to go out there and try it. I'm actually going to have, have a shout-out to Alex and Alvin in Singapore because it was them who put me on to the idea of the team thing. Because uh, So Alex and Alvin like just run a stack load of races, Alvin at Red Dot, and they came up to me and said, why don't you have a paired? They, they, I think they just finished it, and they said, oh, we ran the whole route together, and, you know, because we ran together, we finished it. And that kind of set me up with, well, why don't we just have a paired thing for the, the events? Um, so we had it for the single events. We, we, I don't know if we've decided whether we'll have a 50-50 team event I, yet. But um, for the individual races we have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and have you, have you had to adapt the course over the years? Um, yeah, so like the first year, there was... The first year we finished in different places. And, and like it was a great finish line because people came over the bridge and then they kind of finished and everyone was hanging out there. But then it was like a 500-metre walk to the toilet. And, and I remember, I remember a, a certain female participant from New Zealand complaining about how far she had to walk. Um, and that kind of, that's one of the major, probably the biggest tweak. Like we've not, the course is still, I think fundamentally the same. I don't think there's anything different in terms of where it goes and, and things like that. We've, mo we've moved checkpoints just because like, like first year, one of the 50k checkpoints was in a certain spot. It just couldn't deal with the capacity, especially in the second year. So we moved it, um, and like next year, I, there's no real changes to the course. The, the, the 50 mile course has changed the most because um, there was a section that just didn't work. It would have worked, but then the transport department decided to rebuild the road. Um, and it just made it really difficult for people to work out where they had to go. So it had to be just simplified down. Um, but because we simplified it, it made the course 3K longer. Uh, but the people get what the people want. Talk a bit about that, like the, the, the wider challenges of putting on the races. Have you, have you run into any difficulties with AFCD and, and, and other people like that? Or have you, have you kind of... Nick's covering his mouth. <laughs> I, th I, think, I think the problem... For the, we're, we're kind of in a... For me, I'm very new to this sport. I'm very new to the sport, and I'm very new to the idea of race directing. 
And, and for me, I don't see any problems because I put in a course and I don't know anything different. You know, Nick's been running trail races here for a lot longer than I have, and same with Michael. And there are courses that they fondly remember that aren't allowed anymore because the, the permit situation has changed. So for, for me, I sit there and go, okay, we're allowed this and we're allowed that because I don't know anything different than that. So, so I'm, I'm kind of lucky in the sense of, I, I, like, we've had a comp- Nick and I have had a, a heated conversation this week about a course, and I've kind of gone, no, nah, you're not going to get it. And, and, and because that's the fundamentals of it, it it's, it's either a, it's a yes or a no. There's no gray area, and I know where the yes and no that's is. That's in relation to AFCD approvals. Yeah. And yeah. What, what is, what's the logic behind what their decisions? The, the logic is, is that certain courses are overused, and they were worried about... So, so it, it, it comes from different areas. It's like they, they, they want people to be safe. So they go, okay, you can only use these courses. As a race director, I want people to have fun. I want to use the courses that they say aren't safe. Not, not safe in the fact that they're just they not They call them marked trails. Yeah. So their, their idea of, of safe, I think, is a lot different to, yeah. to what... Um, those runners who, I mean, a perfect example is the King of the Hills races that Keith's been doing for years and years now. You know, they they were a little bit off the beaten track, right? There were some sections that, you know, you were basically sort of bushwhacking your way through. And that's what was so great about them. They weren't on the Mac or the Wilson. They were off-piste. And all of a sudden, the AFCD turned around and said, no, you can't do these anymore. Without any real logic behind it. There was no it. consultation, there was no opportunity. But, you know, to, we yeah. work with what we've got. You know, w- yeah. one of the challenges that we do have sometimes is going through villages, um, you know, which, you, which often connect trails. Um, so in terms of course markings, that can be a challenge. So, you know, we try to educate runners to take note of these through GPX yeah. on watches. I, I, Steve Dawes great detailed maps of these areas um, because, you know, there is, there is some people who do move markings every now and yeah. then and, 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 uh, I, which is and like a, you know I think I think the key is is that you know there are lots of there are lots of great trails apart from the Mac and the Wilson in Hong Kong that there are you know I think about the country of origin and the sections of that that before I kind of went out and did the course I, I didn't know they were there and, and you know a lot of people the majority of people in Hong Kong don't know every course they don't know every every route. They, you know, we, and and over the last five or six years, there's a, a massive growth here. So the majority of people don't know the old King of the Hill courses. It, it's and like Nine Dragons for me is, I didn't know most of that course when I kind of plotted it. I kind of went, oh yeah, this all this all looks great. <laughs> Let's go out and run it. And then you discover it. And it's like holy shit. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, what, one, of the shit, great things, amazing. one of the great things about races in Hong Kong and, is discovering trails and areas of Hong Kong where you've never been before. I mean, you know, I think it's 60% of Hong Kong's country, is, is country park. So, you know, you access trails and see locations where you've never been before. And that, that was certainly one of the things that, you know, I really enjoyed about, you know, getting into trail running in Hong Kong. And Nine Dragons takes you almost, almost from one side to the other. Um, you know, through different villages, over different mountains, lots of different views. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, that's an important part of trail running in Hong Kong. And that, I mean, that's right. I mean, there's obviously there's a ton of races here now, but you obviously you guys obviously saw there was a, a, 
there was space for something that just different concepts, different trails. I, I, I think you, this is something that Nick's taught me, and I hate saying that, um, but you have to differentiate yourself. You know, you know, it's very easy to turn around and go, okay, I'm going to do a 50K series and a 25K series. There's, I can figure like three or four of those. And, and one of the things that we always kind of sat down and went was we were bored of, well, I wasn't because I, I didn't trail run, but Nick and Michael were bored of kind of rocking up to the same stuff every week. It was always the same, similar-ish 50K, similar-ish 25K, or vice versa. And that's great to get out and train, you know, yeah. part of training for other races, but it doesn't make the race, you know... Special. It doesn't give it longevity, yeah. you know. We, it, it, I hope, you know, Nine Dragons around, you know, when we're in, in on crutches in wheelchairs, you know, and we'll have to pass it down one day, you know. We want it to be around forever. Country of origin, same. They, they can last forever. They can be Hong Kong institutions, so, so like that, that was always our process as a company. Like, like we've, Nick and I have sat down and, and same with Michael and we've gone, oh, it'd be great to do a 50K series. But, but what, what makes that different to anyone else? So why not just go out and go, okay, like the 50-50 is just stupid. It's, it's a stupid concept because it, it's, for runners, it's exhausting. For us, it's knackering. It takes us a year of planning you know, country of origin, it's like actually running in fancy dress over 30K in the middle of April when it's humid as hell. It, 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 it shouldn't make sense. Same with big boars. It's like you sit down and you think about that. It's like you're going to run 6K every hour. It's stupid. Yeah, just just, just explain a little bit for people who, who didn't follow your... My meltdown on meltdown Facebook. On <laughs> <laughs> so, so big boars is, is basically... Similar to, it's a backyard ultra, uh, 6.7K, and runners have to start every hour um, until they decide to quit. So in the US, it went, it was Courtney DeWalter and Johanstein, and they did 63 hours. Um, and it's Lazarus Lake who organizes it in the US, who's Barkley Marathon, Vol State, and a few other events. And... Uh, I happened to get into a conversation with him and we ended up bringing it to Hong Kong. And uh, the winner this year was Will Hayward, who did 25 laps, so he did 100 and, 104 miles. Um, and he ends up getting a golden ticket into Big Dogs. So the idea is, is if you win our race, then you go to Big Dogs. If you win Big Dogs, you get into Barclay. And Which, watching online, it looked like people had slightly different tactics as how they approach the race yeah it was it was for me for me like it was one of it's the only race that we've ever done where i'm the only member that was there um so, for various different reasons and it, it was it was a fast it was for me it was the hardest race i've ever done because it, because for me it was like cabin fever i was sat in the same spot for 45 minutes and then have 15 minutes of excitement and then 45 minutes by myself. Um, and there were, there were different people. Like Will's, Will's tactic was consistency all the way through. It was like 45, through to about 47 minutes. And then there was Alpha, who was the, the guy who came second ultimately. He would come in at like, I think it was like 56 minutes every single lap. Like on the, on the second Whereas everyone else was kind of like, they'd have fast laps and then slower ones. And when we talk fast, it was like, a, like three minutes. 
but his was just consistency. And he would sit down, he would take a swig of like a can of coffee and like half a spoon of congee, and then he'd just go out and do it again. And again. And again. To the point that it was really annoying. Because <laughs> you just want it, it was, it, the problem with, the, with that race is there's no, it's so monotonous as an RD. Um, and he was part of the problem. So, I mean, it sounds like you guys have achieved what you set out to in the first place, which is putting on races that you, you're proud of, that you find fun, that, give, that create memories around them for, for the participants. So where, where do you go next with the, with the company? Are there other races you'd like to bring? This, this yeah, I mean, we, we've got, we've, got a, a, a li- we've probably got three that we really want to, to, to run. Um, and it's a matter of finding the time, and we've got, yeah, there's there's one that's sort of rolling along that we we'll, we plan to to open for next year, um, which is the HTFU. Yeah. Uh, and the 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 other ones I don't think we'll we'll talk about now because the the concept and idea they, again completely there's nothing like it in in Hong Kong um, or Asia actually or Asia yeah and you know we we do look at races around the world and. And pick out what we think's interesting, interesting and exciting that would would, you know, really uh, fit well in Hong Kong. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are definite race, more races that we want to organise. I, I, I think I think the key for the the three of us, and it's and it's always been the same, is that we're only going to put on a race if we really want to do it. You know, you know, we, and we've we had and and we would want to do it ourselves as well, yeah. run it ourselves, and and. Uh, you know, um, Michael's ran a stack load of races around the world. Nick's done probably every race in Hong Kong. And, it, and, it, and for me, it's kind of like, I just look at things and go, why would I sign up? If I'm not going to sign up, like, like I'm not an experienced runner by any means. And there are certain races that I desperately want to do and there are certain races that I will never do. So, so what makes those certain races unique and different? And, and a lot of my kind of, and it's probably the same with Michael and Nick. A lot of our inspiration for, for events comes from outside of Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong is a growing scene, but it's also a scene where there's a lot of very similar stuff happening. You know, like we said, 25K, 50K, 100 miles, 100K, you know. I think, I think in Hong Kong alone, there's, there's eight or 900K races planned for next year. There's 700 milers. And they all kind of do the same thing. It's here to here it's this and this and it's there's nothing you know when we did Nine Dragons there was no other event that did back to backs you know not not at the extreme level that we do um, with Country of Origin there's no apart from Trailwalker I can think of the other races that do paired entry but there's no real team event um, but also there's the, there's the comfy dress up yeah and, and like Big Boars there's, there's nothing like Big Boars in Hong Kong that there are six backyard ultras in Asia. So it's kind of, what we don't want to do is go down, we're not commercial. We've never, we've never been commercial, we've never gone down that route. We're that awkward craft beer that some people like, and some people go, what the, what, what the, what, sorry, what the fuck am I drinking? Um, so it's kind, of, it's kind of, that's the route that we're taking, and, because that's what our roots are. Um, so like with HTFU and the other events that we're doing, there are no other events like that in Hong Kong. And, and it's a risk. As a, as a company, 
people either buy into what we want to do or they go, what? <laughs> like that awkward craft beer, yeah. which has got a great label, but it tastes weird. So it's kind of, you know, and because that's what we're passionate about. Um, so if you, if you had to, to, to give advice to anyone else wanting to put on their own race, not, not so much in Hong Kong, but um, it would be that. Would it differentiate yourself? You, you've got to be special. You've got to, you've got to be... You've got, to be, you've, got to be passionate, you've got to be passionate and believe in what you do. You know, when, when we did Nine Dragons... Don't I think, expect to make money. Don't yeah. expect don't to make money. Don't do it for money. Do <laughs> it because you love doing it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, like Nine Dragons, we all got ridiculously excited about. We didn't quite know how we were going to do it. We didn't quite get what we were doing. We didn't know if people would buy into it. And we kind of did it anyway. You know, and, and the first year was a risk. Like, it, for us as a company, if people didn't come to that, it would have been a huge risk. There would be no race space today. Country of origin, people bought into that really quickly. Big Boars was kind of like a weird success. In the fact that no one really cared about it before it happened. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, what's going on? It sounds like you get at least as much, if not more, from putting the race on as you perhaps would from competing in one yourself? For, for me personally, yeah. Like, like I... I guess it's a different experience, but... I mean, for me, I stand back and wish I was out there running, and that's a good thing, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would say definitely, you know, when, when, when you finish a race, um, organising's very much like racing um, to an extent because there's all the training that you have to do for a race... There's all the organisation you have to do, and then you, you're out there for that whole time, you know, sometimes under pressure, sometimes things go wrong, you have to deal with that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, there's comparisons. No, I think that I've learned so much from, so much more from race directing the past couple of years, and a lot of that from, from Steve, because he's so super organised and super precise about everything that I've been able to apply in my working life. Um, that, you know, I haven't sort of been able to, to realize until I started working with these guys in terms, of, in terms of attitude, in terms of passion, in terms of structure and organization. You know, so it's, it's not, there's sort of life lessons that I've got from, from, from doing the race-based stuff that, that are applicable in, in all areas of my life as well that I'm really grateful for. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it, it is hard work, um, but it's, you know, what, what do they say? It, it, if it isn't hard work, then it's not worth doing, right? Um, so, you know, there's, there's really good things that have come from it that I never would have thought of. Um, so there's, there's enormous payback. Again, not, not financial. It, it's like anything, right? If you're doing it for the money, then what's the point? Money's a byproduct of doing something you love to do, right? Money will come... So it's, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been an awesome trip, you know? The, the only race, though, I actually go, it's not as exciting as running as Big Balls, where I was like, fuck, this is over. <laughs> like, yeah. All the other events that we've ever done, I'm like, actually, this is really, really cool. Big Balls, I was just, like, count, like, counting down. And I think it was because I was by myself, but it was, like, counting down, just going... Just quit. 
So yeah, maybe maybe you could just talk us through a bit of your own race background then. So so away from being RDs, what's your own ultra running history? Shall, shall I start? Because mine's sure. really quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really fast. So so I I signed up to. Uh, so I, I I'm not a runner. I, I've never really been a runner. I, I, I started signing up to Hong Kong 100 because basically people turn around. I went out for a meal with my wife and two of her, her friends. They went on about their marathon times. My marathon time was hideous. So I, I went home and signed up for Hong Kong 100 or the, the ballot, got in, and then, then had the worst 25 hours of my life. Actually, the best 25 hours of my life. Finished it and then pretended I was an ultra runner. And then I either go through a process of, I DNF a race, and then the next time I sign up, I, I finish it, like Lentau 70 or um, a few others, and then have decided I'm gonna run 100 miles this summer on a very, very flat course, on a very, very fast course, and... Where's that? Where's that? It's um, North Downs Way 100 in the UK. So I, I did it a couple of years ago, and I, what I decided to do is train on hills. Um, so I spent a year training on hills, and then realized that North Downs Way, over 100 miles, has got 3,000 meters of elevation. Um, and interestingly enough, that broke me. And so I DNF'd. Um, but I'm going back this summer, and probably out of all of us, I'm the one who's kind of the stupid one right. I wouldn't say stupid to, to, to me to me like for punishment no to, to me like ultra running isn't necessarily about finishing stuff it's about actually the process that you go through that, you know I one of my really close friends sent me a message a couple of days ago and said actually you don't really remember the race what you remember is the hours that you put in um, and, and when that's sent to you by Jeff Campbell you kind of have to kind of take notice. It's like, it, it, you know, actually ultra running is very, very simple. You go from A to B, it takes you a really long time and you keep going. Some people do it really fast. Some people don't do it really fast. Some people break. And that's it. There's no complicated process. It's, anyway. So anyway, yeah. But that's just, just quickly, of the, of the DNFs that you've had, is, has there ever been a point where you've thought, this just isn't for me? No, because I'm. I, I think I'm slightly insane. I, I the thing the thing is is like I do what I, I do the race directing because I love doing it. I love seeing people's faces when they finish. I do the running because there's that journey from A to B, and and the thing is for me it's like sometimes you get to B, and sometimes you get to S or T or wherever, but every step of the way you learn something about yourself, and. You know, I've been ultra. I've been pretending to ultra run for the last four years, and I've stupidly gone from zero to 100k in six months, and from 100k to 100 miles in three and a half years. But the process of just understanding what you are as a human, and understanding—that sounds like a really good coffee—and understanding <laughs> um, just. The idea of training and the idea of patience, because I, I think we're in an area where everyone thinks they're an ultra runner. You've got to kind of step back and go, hold on a minute. And I'm the perfect example of that. 
you know, I know North Dansquay is in the summer is going to be tough. But I've waited. Um, whereas Michael... Yeah, what's your, what's your background, Michael? Well, I started, I started running after I had kids um, to just get me out of Lang Kwai Fong, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just I couldn't, you know, you have children, you have to, to reassess what you're doing on your, on your weekends. And, uh, yeah, I discovered the trails and started off with, um, with some, some sprints, the Action Asia sprints that were loads of fun through riverbeds and creeks. Um, and, uh, and then I signed up for Trail Walker with some friends and none of us had any idea w- what we were doing. Uh, finished in 36 hours and, and said that was the stupidest thing I'd ever done. I'd, I'll never do it again, the typical sort of ultra story, but then found that there was something there for me. And, uh, yeah, n- never turned back since then. So, yeah, I race, you know, compared to the average punter, I'd say quite a lot. I like the long distance. I like the grind, um, and yeah, I, I love discovering new places with trail running, um, new places, new locations, and, and, and really it's turned into family holidays now. I have a, a very supportive family. Um, my kids love going to checkpoints. Um, you know, my, my, my youngest daughter has a, has a bag that says Papa's Drop Bag, and um, she carries all the, all the gear and sets it all out, and um, yeah, it's become now a real sort of family um, affair which is which is super um, you know very much part of part of my life and what I do and who I am so do you have any any big race plans um, big race plans I've just I've just moved back after three years in Chamonix and I've had I had some pretty big races um, probably the biggest hardest race I've done is Diagonal de Fou um, a raid reunion uh, 100 miles last year in, in Reunion Island um, and coming back to Hong Kong, I really want to get back into the Hong Kong scene. So, you know, I plan to... Actually, I'm going back to Chamonix to do the Mont Blanc 90K in three weeks. Um, but then the rest of the year will be really planned around Hong Kong racing. So I'm looking forward to um, racing. Well, in DNFing in Hong Kong, I've only DNF'd one race that I haven't gone back and, and finished, and that's the Lantau 70. And... I, I'm not excited about going back and doing it, but but I know it's one of these thing you know things hanging over my shoulder that I have to, and and that's all about the weather. I mean, it's, it really is all about the weather. Um, you know, running in Hong Kong, the weather can determine what sort of a race you have. Um, and then you know, I want to do the the North Face and then Hong Kong Hundred. So that's sort of my sort of short term race plan. Um, yeah, and tough tough being away from Sham. <laughs> no, don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Chamonix is a great, a great place, and and you know, most most ultra runners know about the place, and and it's not just Chamonix; it's just you know, the region is great. You know, there's there's fantastic races in Cormier and and uh, all around the Alps. There's there's new races to discover all the time, and you know, same as in Asia. I mean, you know, I, I want to discover more races in Asia. Um, you know, I'm told there's some great races in China in, in locations where I would have never never think of going. So, you know, I think Asia has a lot to offer um, on the race scene. You know, quite, quite different to European races, but, um, you know, and I think anyone who, who is a runner to, to experience different parts of the world, that's part of the enjoyment of, of being in the sport.
Well, it's a great way to do that, isn't it? Just knowing sure. that it'll, it'll be set up when you're there and you don't, you're not going to get completely Yeah, off. and as a turning into a, a, a running holiday, you know, where, where you can take the family or, you know, that doesn't always have to be the case. But, it, you know, the locations, you know, I did, I did Madeira Ultra Trail um, earlier this year and, you know, what a stunning location that I would never plan to go if, if, if the race wasn't there. So, you know, it, it opens you up to... Um, experiences and locations, cultures, food um, that, that you know you would never you would never experience if, if a race wasn't wasn't put on. And ho- hopefully, Nine Dragons can do that for people coming to Hong Kong. You know, come and experience the cultures and, and, and the city and the mountains and everything Hong Kong has to offer. Annoyingly, Michael sent me about three days worth of photos of just patisseries in Madeira. And then these amazing photos of trails. And it was like, I was so conflicted between eating really badly and then running. <laughs> Nick, what about yourself? Actually, very, very similar to Michael without all the sort of mad 100-mile stuff. But yeah, I mean, when I came back to Hong Kong, there, there were very few choices. Um, so it was, you, you know, you did King of the Hills, which was a great way to discover the trails. Um, Keith, such a great... He's a stalwart of the scene, you know. He's been doing it for so long, and but he also he also does the the free China hash as well, which was another sort of more social way, less less competition, more bunch of people getting together for beers. Oh, let's have a run before we do that type thing. <laughs> but his races always always had a, a special kind of feeling to them that were focused more on building a community and just meeting like-minded, crazy people, and that kind of transferred into some of the Action Asia stuff that, that Michael mentioned, and then um, the Hong Kong 100 that Stephen Janet put on, a very, another special race, really, really focused on, on the community. And it just, my interest in, Steve mentioned this before, but getting out of your comfort zone and sort of challenging your preconceptions of what you're capable of, right? So um, similar to Michael in terms of my first 100k was was trail walker someone I remember at, at one of the hashes someone coming out saying hey we, we want a fourth member for the uh, the Oxfam trail walker do you fancy it I said oh what's that they said oh yeah you know it's just a it's, it's a race in November I said oh how far is it they said 100k I went fuck off you are you I'd run about maybe 20k up is to that Is that the point. one that you ran wearing knee braces? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't exactly knee braces like Forrest Gump's style, but, but yeah, let's, let's just say I was, I was less than prepared for, for that. But like Michael, when I finished, I said, I'm never doing that again. And then the next week I was like asking people, oh, there's this race in November, do you fancy doing it? It's a bit long, but it's pretty fun. Um, and I was, I was hooked after that. I've never been in so much pain as I have in that race. And it's all about, it sort of made me realize, like, you learn a lot about yourself when you're in a miserable, dark pain cave. Stripped down and, yeah. Yeah, put your head down and suck it up and just challenge yourself and get out of that comfort zone. And it's amazing what you're actually, what you learn about yourself and what you learn about what you're capable of. And again, just beating those preconceptions so it's Hong Kong's a great place for that did the knee brace when you finished the OTW did the knee braces like snap off like Forrest Forrest Gump Gump. (laughs) (laughs) and you see you've all kind of touched on the the fact that Hong Kong's quite a special place for for running whether it's the sheer volume of races or but there, there does seem to be a real community that's perhaps kind of built up over the years since you've been back Nick 
Um, I think it was even there before yeah. before I came back because, like I said, Keith Keith with the King of the Hills stuff, had, there was definitely a community there. But even it, it would be um, it would be an injustice not to mention the local groups like King Hang Hiking Club, right? Because they've been around for for years. They were doing or were involved with the the King of the Hills before it was the King of the Hills race series, right? In terms of you know. Um, finding the trails and getting people active and involved and, and out on them. So there's there's lots of, of local hiking clubs that have turned into into sort of more active running and social clubs. But guys like Keith Noyes and Mike Mattis, you know, we, we have a lot to thank them for yeah, in terms I, of getting I that. think Hong Kong, you know, you, you turn up to a start line at a race in Hong Kong and if you're from here, you know, you... you as far as the eye can see, you know people. Yeah. And as you're, as you're running along the course, you'll know people and talk to people. But the people who come from overseas, they feel that and they see that. And, and so they're embracing that community. You know, so people go away and you know, it's, it's, they, they really feel that. And it's, yeah. I think that's quite special about Hong Kong. Um, you know, most, most other races I've ever been outside of Hong Kong, you, know, you don't see people... You know, you might see the odd hello, but you don't see these, you know, yeah. huge communities. I, and at the end of a race, the same thing. You see everyone around talking and sharing I, their experience. I, I took my son to a park a couple of, um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was wearing... We, we got, for Big Boars, we got these DNF T-shirts made. So we had DNF T-shirts, and we had a winner T-shirt. So there's one winner T-shirt, and everyone else was wearing a DNF. And I was in the park with my son, and I, I was wearing this DNF T-shirt. I, I'd run out of t-shirts and this guy came up to me and goes you did big boars and I was like what and he goes you did big boars because you, you're wearing the DNF I saw it in the press you know I saw this and this and this you know I, I want to go and do it but I've never ran more than 5k and I, I just looked at him and went I'm, I didn't DNF he goes but you, you got the DNF t-shirt you know what, what's what, you must have quit no I'm the race director he goes oh, can I give you my letter or our application now or later? And it was just this idea that these, you know, in Hong Kong, there's a, there's a lot of press around, you know, races and around events. Yeah, I events. think Mark Agnew from South China and Mary, yeah, they, they've like done a Mark great is, job. For, Mark and Mary have, have done, done amazingly. a great job in, you know, really putting that out yeah. in the press. And with it their, was with just the fact that this guy who'd never ran 5K it turns around and goes, I want to do this event. And it's the same with Nine Dragons, it's the same with Culture Origin, it's the same with probably every event in Hong Kong. There are people who look at that and go, I really want to do that, because they know it's an inclusive community. You know, the, the, the gay games in, in a couple of years um, in Hong Kong, you know, we were, we were asked to do the trail running events, because they know that it's just going to be inclusive. We, we couldn't give a shit. You know, you're gay, you're transsexual, bisexual, you know, lesbian, whatever... White, black. I'm, I'm trying to be middle class and polite, but but it doesn't matter. It's like the trail running community, and it, it's the same with me. It's like when I started race directing, I with hardest nails. It's you know I, I messaged you know Will Sargent and Keith Noyes, and they sat me down and they went through everything. They, no one cares. You do what you do because you want to do because you love it. And as long as there's that passion, I think in Hong Kong, whether you're the last person in the race that I've waited for to hug or the first person in the race or, you know, like Nick hands out all the medals at Country of Origin and Michael will do the same at HDFU. It's, it's, we don't care I'm who it is as long as you 
you, you know, you come and rock up and you try it. That's a pretty good note to end on. I mean, it's getting a bit noisier in here, so maybe we just, just wrap up with a few quick fire questions. Like, what are your... We've talked about all these races and everything else, but what's your, what's your favourite bit of trail in Hong Kong? Can you remember what it is, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> I think I... Well, I love the, the cycling trails, but I think the, 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 my favourite section is Tai To Yan, which is part of the Nine Dragons course. And the reason for that is because the views are amazing. You see... Um, What's the mountain on the right called? Big, big... Oh, uh, Lang. Big Boss. Big Boss. The Big Boss, which, uh, which I have memories of training on that with, with John Ellis for UTMB a few years back. Um, but it's just a beautiful section of trail, you know, single trail, um, and it's, it's really nice. So, yeah, that's probably one of my favourite. Um, I'd have to say Mac 4 from Maunshan down to Gilwell Camp, just along that that ridge looking down you know when you're passing pyramid hill looking down into cyclone it's just the views are just superb and it it gets me every time no matter how many times i've run it it feels like it's the first time i'm looking around like kid in a candy store this is amazing yeah so so mine is nick will know the section it's the lantau after nongping where you got that section that goes down into taiyo lantau section four and you come down the hill, you come off the so hill. So you, you come off Nongping, you do the, the shitty road bit, and then you go up the hill, and there from Taiyo, because it, it's so alien to, in Hong Kong, it's like, you, I remember doing Lantai Sony, and there was just these, like, this grass just waving, and it was hot as fuck, but this, this grass was so romantic and so beautiful, and it was just like, okay, I'm going to sit here for 20 minutes. But that, that to me is... Just um, yeah. And what about kit? I mean, Michael, you've done some big races fairly, fairly recently. Is there any kit that you kind of swear by now, or any any purchases you've made that you've you'd recommend? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love my hockers. Um, I can't deny. I I remember. Sounds like you're about to burst into rap. No, I, I, I do. <laughs> I, I do. I do. And that that maybe you know, I, I think they've done, done wonders for me. Which um, model do you wear? Uh, well, now the Evo Mafati. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, my feet get me through all these races with no issues whatsoever. So yeah, fantastic. Um, Solomon packs I use. I, 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 I wouldn't mind. I'm happy with them. So why change? But I know you know there are good packs out there. Mm -hmm. So maybe you know if someone wants to to give me one to try, I'm happy to try a new one. Um, hocker for sure. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hocker fan as well, and been wearing them for a while. Um, the challenges through to the speed goats and uh, just waiting to get a pair of my own mafatis. Um, but also T8, T8 underwear, um, especially in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. It's in the summer, it's a sweat fest here. And it must be the same in Singapore well, it's as well. it's custom built for these kind of conditions, isn't it? Absolutely, right? So Yeah, we had a, we had a shout out on when we interviewed Abby last uh, recently. He, uh, oh, Abby, yeah. He'd done Dragon's Back in, uh, in Wales wearing the T8. And I think it had a lot of compliments about Legend. Just how... Um, how tight it looked. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how figure-hugging figure they were. Um, no, I think all the pockets and everything else that yeah. built in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot of good gear out there. Um, I, think, I think mine would be the Naked Running Band. Naked Running Band and a pair of T8 Sherpas, and that's my entire pack, and that's, that's it. Like, the Sherpas just, for me, they just work. Um... And the, the naked running band to me is just 
a, a ridiculously simple thing that is just effective at what it does. What about books, podcasts, any, any other ways, places you look for inspiration? I'm the worst person on podcasts. So I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a playlist that is nine hours long, and the only podcast that I currently listen to is Rich Roll. Um, I think it says soothing, vo- soothing voice. It kind of, it's, it's slightly sexual, but at the same time, wants me to go to sleep. So I can't work out which one it is. That's a good thing when you're training, is it? <laughs> uh, depends on how tight my shorts are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, um... I, I listen to podcasts or on long runs, and um, typically they're, they're, they're running podcasts. Um, you know, I listen to Talk Ultra, Running yeah. Nation, um, Rich Roll as well. I do listen to Green and Gold Rugby sometimes. Um, but I've just recently finished um, David Goggins. Oh, yeah. Actually, if you're yeah, going to yeah. listen to an audio book, it's a it, it is a good audio book because because he he commentates throughout each chapter, and I've I've also found that in this heat when I've been running and I feel like I just want to walk, I just think, don't be a pussy, come on, <laughs> you know, heart, get callous your mind and keep running, and it, it it has it has made me sort of keep, get get those steps going a bit a bit longer than I normally would have, but. Yeah, I mean, anything which sort of keeps, you know, is interesting to listen to and, but yeah, it's, it's mainly based around and, you know, running or, yeah. Yeah, um, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan's podcast it's is brilliant. because like, you like to smoke a little bit, allegedly back at university. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> You've been talking to. Yeah, um, Joe Rogan and Talk Ultra as well, Ian Corliss is just... Uh, He's got a really great presentation style, and you know he gets a really great range of um, of experts on there talking about. Uh, yeah. And we already mentioned Mark and Mary at South China Morning Post. They have their own yep. podcast as well. Yeah. Um, last question, then. I guess, what makes you emotional, Steve? You talked about wanting to sit, oh, and, sit no, in the grass on land Don't ask me first. Uh, I think. I think. I, it's a really difficult one. For, for me, there's been a couple of bits over the last couple of years that kind of, like, loomed my mind a little bit. So I think, um, you know, obviously when we did Hardest Nails, that, that was kind of emotional. It was, it was just emotional, just... Unlike we my could question. be here all night, by the way, you answering, could be. <laughs> you asking that question. For it, was, it was emotional because, because it, it was kind of cool. Um, I, have, I have two major, three major things that... In the last couple of years, they've kind of triggered me. Um, one was John Ellis winning Nine Dragons. For, for me, that was kind of like John. John was the first person out of the three of us that knew about Nine Dragons. And that's that classic photo of him at the finish line. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of one of those ones where it was like, I knew how badly he wanted it the year before. He wanted to beat Casey because of Max, and Max was about to be born, and that's his daughter. And and to be honest, like in the back of my my head, I wanted him to win. It was great that Casey won. Casey's a really cool guy, but, um, but when John won in the second year, it was, it was just, it was a bit, I think it was a bit special for all of us, because we, I think we all knew how much it meant to John, and we all knew how much it meant to each of us individually, because we've all known John for a long time. Kazafumi winning uh, was just, like, yeah. Like, we weren't expecting it. Like, like, I wasn't expecting it. And, you know, he desperately wanted it so bad. But the most emotional thing for me, and I think Michael 
and probably he was there when it happened. It was we we'd heard we were at Fanling checkpoint on Nine Dragons and 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 we heard about a runner that had fallen really badly. And we we'd sent up first days and we wanted to go and check it out and you know it was very very it was like three four a.m. in the morning. This guy had fallen really badly and people were saying you know he's bleeding he's heavily stacked and we were walking up and Michael kind of was wearing a pair of jeans but sprinted up Taito Yan like he was wearing nothing. <laughs> and I, I was kind of trundling behind and I could see this guy limping really badly coming down. And as I was walking up, I, I kind of said, you know, you're all right, you know, expecting, yeah, I'm fine, whatever. And this guy just grabbed me and hugged me for about 15 or 20 minutes. And it was Ben Duffus. And at that point, he was about sixth or seventh in the 50-50. He was doing really, really well, but he, he's, got, he's, you know, he's got a long-term injury, and it just flared up at the wrong time. And it, it felt like 10 or 15 minutes that he was just hugging me and having a little cry and all this type of stuff. Because, again, it, you, you see how much stuff means to people. You know, even when people DNF, you can see there's a disappointment, but there's also like a... Anyway, Michael, your turn. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if the question was race-related, but... It doesn't have to be. No, because I, I agree that those, you know, John and Kazafumi winning was, was you know, it, it touched the heart. But, yeah, what, what at this stage in my life, what makes me emotional is just seeing my teenage daughters grow and, and, and achieve things. It's, um, and, and, you know, both, both Steve and Nick have younger children and, and it didn't affect me the same way as I see them becoming adults. Um, proudly, but, yeah, that, that's... Yeah, yeah. It just it's very special. So it must be nice having them at the checkpoints on those races. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, what goes through your mind when you know that they're going to be there, um, y- y- your whole attitude can change. Um, and it, it really has helped me... Yeah, become a better runner by having them there and my wife as well. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, children, they're something special. I, I, I ruined my relationship with my wife by not saying children. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's why I backed you up and said, that, yeah, you, it's actually when, when they're turning into adults, that's when it really hits you. Because, <laughs> you know, that's. Uh... Nick, any to add? Honestly, mate, everything makes me emotional. <laughs> I, I cry watching cartoons these days. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not these days, it's all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for making time, guys. Oh, thanks um, a lot, Rick. It's been really special. And uh, I guess uh, if it hasn't put you off, now's a good time to, to start thinking about signing up for, for Nine Dragons. Um, yeah, so we've got, we've got a 50 mile, we've got the 50-50. Um, the 50 mile, 50k, 25k, 10k as well this year. So um, registration li- opening first week of August. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit for everyone. And, um, and sorry, race date is 31st of January 2000. And through to the 2nd of Feb. Yeah. So it's a little bit of everything next year. And you know, and like like even with the 25k and the 10k, they're still they're tough little courses. You know, yeah. it, it, it's not meant to be a walk in the park. It's meant to be um, a challenge. On that note, with a giant bump. On that massive mosquito that's just landed on your laptop. Thank you very much, guys. We'll talk All to right. you again soon. Thanks, Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for your time. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Scott, how you doing, mate? 
Very well, Mr. Rick Stockfish. Um, yeah, good uh, good interview there with the race-based dudes. Yeah, really enjoyed it. It was uh, a fun little get-together at uh, Fine Print, uh, one of the better cafes in Hong Kong, and also a bit of a hub for for trail runners there. We had a few cameos from from various faces while we were doing the interview. Just uh, just a shame that I didn't get them to turn the music off instead of just down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and and like uh and ease up on the like clattering of uh of cups and saucers in there <laughs> yeah i mean i like to think it gives it a bit of atmosphere but hopefully uh hopefully you the listener could uh could hear at least part of what we were saying no it was really good mate i i, I enjoyed it what um what phenomenal dudes uh steve and michael and uh and mr tim worth are yeah, and I mean, and and as they say, they're doing some really interesting stuff. That idea of trying to trying to create races that no one else has. I think they've really achieved that, particularly with the Nine Dragons. Um, and uh, you know, we, we we've been talking about that before, but it's uh, it's a race that just has an incredibly high DNF rate. Um, I think you were saying it's T eight put something up where they've done a bit of a bit of research, and it was yeah, it was sixty two percent. Yeah, second only to Barkley. Yeah, and and there's a running theme there in terms of a lot of the people we've had on the podcast have talked about how they will only take on races that they there's a chance they won't finish. You know, Abby's talked about it, Andre's talked about it, um, and these guys talked about it in terms of they didn't want to do a race that people could just like show up and take home a medal. They wanted stuff a race that would really push the limits of what people are capable and. Um, and yeah, they've definitely um, they've definitely achieved that. And I, I think I think I think they all seem to work obviously work really well as a team. And they, you know, if, if they didn't, these events wouldn't be happening. But you know, they're they're different personalities, and 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 they're aware of the kind of the relative strengths that they bring. And I think you know, Nick's clearly very creative, and he's he's kind of helped craft these stories around the race, which I think is probably largely why they're able to get big names coming in from abroad because it just they're able to sell it that much better as a result. Yeah, I, I love that story around the Nine Dragons where uh, obviously you've got Steve who's the one that sort of diligently organises things and puts is very process-driven, maps out the routes and the structure and the logistics. And then he came up with a concept in terms of a two-day and, and, and the rough route. And then Nick was like, look, we've got to build a story around this. And stories sell yeah. stories captures people people's imagination and the 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 concept around nine dragons really has captured people's imagination yeah and they, i mean we, we couldn't really go into it much in the in the conversation they're not quite ready to share yet but there's they've got some exciting plans for for other events coming up as well so i think keep an eye on these guys they're doing some really fun stuff um i mean another thing they're doing that they talked about a bit um is trying to create more opportunities for female trail runners around asia um create some sort of program to give some of the better runners access to uh you know top level training resources and um and that's something certainly to be to be admired um you know we were talking earlier about the mirror documentary that yeah. lloyd belcher put together um just a phenomenal talent but the the suspicion is there's just a wealth of female trail running talent across asia that's that doesn't have access yet to to these kind of races and these kind of uh, the training that you need and, and resources behind it yeah yeah and actually um talking about mirror we um i actually only got around to watching the uh, documentary just uh, just last night i've um i downloaded it and obviously lloyd uh went through a very tragic um his wife passed away recently and they were raising funds for him and another way to be able to support support Lord Lloyd Belcher and the sad passing of his wife Gabby um is to support his work 
to be a downloaded documentary. I recommend anyone else to to watch it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, talking about going through challenges um, with uh, Nick and uh, Nick and Steve. I believe they're both in the UK at the moment. But Nick's been very open about the fact that he's been uh, been fighting cancer for um, for the last few months. And obviously, we don't talk. You, you haven't talked about it on the, on the podcast. But I think it's really important to to sort of highlight the the challenges that he's been through and how he's been how he's dealt with it um is just such an impressive dude and um and yeah Steve the same I mean he's been pretty open recently about how he's um he's suffered from challenges of mental health as well and uh and I think talking openly about these things enables not just other people to help but it does help other people it does enable um you know a, a problem shared is a problem solved and and does create that support network and uh yeah i've got to give like kudos to them both about how they've been dealing with their own personal challenges yeah and i mean it, it's something that that kind of thaddeus touched on in the interview a few weeks ago i, mean, I think he has that quote about life's one long ultra endurance race I mean, and there's, there's so many, I mean, it's a great quote, but I think there's so many ways in which that applies. And I guess one of them is that, you know, the, the, the thing with endurance sports is there's nowhere to hide, really. You can't, you can't hide what's going on. You, you know, if, you, if you're breaking down, you're breaking down. And I think it kind of, it encourages or inspires a, a degree of honesty that perhaps is, is, isn't there in other sports because you, you, you just, you, you can kind of push through and, and hide what you're going through. Whereas, you know, if you're talking about events that take place over days and days, you know, you're not, you're not going to get away with anything. And, and maybe that's something that, you know, I think helps build a certain character type or maybe attracts a certain character character type. But um, certainly both of those guys are very open about what they're dealing with and, yeah. uh, and all credit to them for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, what else have you been up to, sir? You've, uh, Caught up with, uh, I was up in Chiang Mai at the weekend, caught up with uh, Seb Bertrand, who was one of our early podcast guests, the guy behind Thailand Mountain Trail. Uh, yeah, really great guy. Um, and uh, he's uh, he spent the last few years rediscovering and building this network of trails between Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai. Um, didn't manage to get out for a run with him this time, but we were talking about his upcoming plans. And he's, one of his plans is to get Mira um, to come over and do or join a... Um, I think a seven-day uh, trail running retreat where they're planning to run from Chiang Mai to Changdao, which are among the highest, not perhaps not the highest, but among the highest mountains in Thailand. And certainly, you know, we've seen them when we were up there with Seb, one of the most beautiful. Um, so that's something to look out for. They, they, did a, they did a retreat earlier in the year, got a bunch of guys over from Hong Kong. I'm not sure if it was through T8 or Red Dot, maybe both. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, he's planning something big for the end of the year, over New Year, I think. Yeah, very cool. Look out for that. I'd um, I'd love to get Mira on the podcast as well. We need to see if she's down in Singapore and anytime soon, or um, or catch her in Hong Kong. But um, but yeah, on the uh, on on the talk of upcoming podcasts, we've got um, uh, we've got Ryan Blair joining the founder of the North Face Adventure Racing Team. Uh, caught up with him in Hong Kong a few weeks ago, but he's uh, he's pulled together 
essentially the best endurance rate athletes across uh, across the whole of Asia. They've got uh, just an amazing team there. Um, they're all out in UTMB very soon as well. So we'll be uh, publishing that just before they um, they all go to, um, to to race at UTMB. But he himself has got an unbelievable story. He's done some crazy races from the Adventure Racing World Champs at Reunion Island to, um, yeah, just general like traveling around Asia when it was... Uh, yeah when like 30 years ago and um yeah fascinating uh, fascinating chat so look forward to sharing that yeah and if if this the chat that you've just heard hasn't put you off um i think they're opening registration for nine dragons this week or at least very soon uh this is going up on the first of august uh so early august you'll be able to to sign up and uh enter i guess what's one of the hardest races in the world at least the 50 50 yeah and uh yeah the race i think is uh, is end of january um so yeah encourage um encourage all to get to get involved also i'm desperate to do the country of origins race i've signed up for it twice and have had to like pull out of it for for some reason or another but um but that sounds like such a fun yeah. race it's uh it's march or april time end of the running race running season you get three people all from the same country wearing your wearing your country's colors yeah it's a it's a it's a fun race that one yeah, I mean, there's a, they're doing a lot of fun stuff up there. So, I mean, they, they were kind enough to give me some Nine Dragons merch. I've got a cap and a, I'm not sure if it's a finisher t-shirt, but it's certainly not something I can kind of in good conscience wear around having not completed the race. So I'll perhaps have to, to get up there next year and do that before I, uh, before I put that hat on. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Always a pleasure, Mr. Stockfish. Talk to you again soon, Scott. Cheers. It's like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining cause things ain't that bad